There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter number 13. Exodus 13 and verse 17 through 18. And as you're looking, you can stand out of respect and honor for God's Word. Exodus 13 through uh, Exodus chapter number 13, 17 through 18. We've been doing that series and we've been tracing the but gods of the Bible where God interrupts our life, where God steps in and changes things around. And here we find in Exodus chapter number 13 and look at verse 17 where God interrupts our path. Where God interrupts our path. Notice verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Here's our but God. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up, up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Notice that phrase in verse 18. But God led the people about. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to talk to you about how that God interrupts our pathway. God interrupted the path of the children of Israel to take them an entirely unexpected route. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you in the name of the magnificent Jesus, who is more than a theology, who is more than the the written words on the pages of antiquity, but He is the living Christ that walks in and out of our lives day in and day out. Father, we praise you that you're not just some, uh, some figure in history we follow, but you are the resurrected Savior, the living Lord uh, that, that comes in and radically alters our lives. We thank you for that, Father. God, I pray that you would teach your people today. God, you did some things in this text that are surprising for some unexpected reasons. And Father, there are things that come into our lives that our, our, the path of our lives take an unexpected turn. Turn. We pray that we would see your will and way behind it. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You know, being raised in a Baptist church all my life, as a kid, I learned of different ways to entertain myself. Amen. Uh, uh, listen, I, I, Mom would bring all kinds of things to try to keep me entertained. One of the things that entertained me the most was my daddy's Thompson Chain Bible. How many of you ever seen a Thompson Chain Bible? Man, you can unfold them and it'll reach from the dining room table into the living room. All kinds of information in that Thompson Chain Bible. I loved as a kid 
to look at the archaeological pictures in the back of that Bible. It has all kinds of artifacts and, and pictures of that. But I also like the maps. Now, there's a specific kind of map in that Bible that I like the most. It was the map of people's lives. You ever seen that? And it showed like for the life of Paul, how he started out at Damascus and he went up to, uh, uh, down to Jerusalem. And you could follow the life of different people in the Bible, the path that they took. You know, I, I'd try to put my finger on the number one and I'd try to follow them to number two and number three. And before long, it got difficult because of all the twists and turns in their lives. I mean, you look at Abraham and how he went from Ur of the Chaldees to the promised land and he went from place to place. Or you look at the life of Samuel and of David and even, don't even, uh, Jesus, don't even try to follow the Apostle Paul. He had three different lines. They were all on top of each other. Trying to follow him is crazy. I heard a preacher say one time, the only person in the Bible that followed a straight line when it come to the leading of God was Jonah. Amen. Right out of the mouth, right out of the mouth of the whale and right to Nineveh. <laughs> he took a straight line. But everybody else in the Bible took what? Crooked paths. Paths that often sometimes didn't make any sense. Uh, a path, uh, the, the same is true with the path of the children of Israel. You follow the life of Moses and you'll find them wandering in the wilderness down all the way down to Mount Sinai, opposite of where they were going to. You see, this gives us some insight into not only the lives of the children of Israel, but our own lives. You see, our lives often take paths we never intended. God interrupts our straight line a path which we intend for our life. We say, that's where I want to be, God. That's the place I want to go. And God, what does He do? He interrupts and takes us in a completely different direction. I wonder, and you're probably thinking about your life, what if your life was mapped out in the back of a Thompson Chain Bible? What would it look like? How many places did God bring you? What path, what unexpected turns has your life taken as you follow it along the map. Have you ever wondered why? Why does God take our lives and turn them in such dramatic turns in our lives and take us to some places we'd never dreamed of coming to? Take us seemingly in the opposite direction of where we think God ought to take us. Well, I believe in this text why it shows us why God interrupts our path to a desired destiny and takes us in a different direction. Here's my proposition. Listen closely. Every child of God under the leadership of God can depend on the three following facts that come out of this text. You see, this text in here is very enlightening on how God leads His people and why God leads His people. And so I want to show you three facts that we can depend on in the twists and turns of our life. The first fact you can depend on is God will lead us away from the war. God will lead us away from the war. Now at this point in our text, uh, uh, the, the land uh, uh, the, of the inheritance, now remember, I'll give you a little background here. 
what happened was God sent the plagues on Egypt. Remember the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt's land. God sent plagues upon them to have them to be released. Pharaoh finally relented after the plague of death took his own son, relented and said, go ahead, Moses, get you and your people out of this Egypt's land. And so that brings us basically to where we are. They're leaving Egypt's land and and the, the land of Canaan, their promised land is practically within sight. Just a couple of hundred miles up a certain path will put them in their inheritance. Will put them in their promised land. But yet God took them thousands of miles in an opposite direction. Look at what he said in our text in verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. That was the shortcut. Everybody, my wife, she drives me crazy. If we're driving in East Ridge, I'll say, how do I get from where I am to where we want to go? And she says, well, you can turn this way, you can go that way, you can go this way, but the shortest way is this way. Well, that's the way I want to go. I'm a mathematical person. The, the shortest distance between two points is the best for me. And so that's what, and the shortest distance between God's people and their inheritance, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of promise, the land of freedom is right there, hundred miles, a couple hundred miles away from where they were standing, and yet God took them in another direction. You see, God will lead us away from the war despite the closeness to their destiny. Despite the closeness to their destiny, the children of Israel are a hundred miles away from the land of inheritance, the promised land, and yet God leads them hundreds of miles in the opposite direction. They were so close that they could taste the grapes from the promised land. And yet God took them away from there and took them in the opposite direction. Uh, listen, God said no. Oh, how, how true that is in our own lives. We, can, we try to prognosticate. We try to foretell. That's where I want to be in the future. That's the place I want to be with uh, this happening and that happening and, and being in this church and fulfilling this role and, and doing this. Nobody's worse about it than I've been in my life. All those years in the missions and jails before I came here, I had grandiose plans of where I thought that's where I ought to be. But God, I told you, I came to this church kicking and screaming. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't. I saw what happens to pastors. I don't want to. And God, what did He do? Took me opposite of where I thought I should be. Oh, how often does God do that in our lives? Has He done that in your life? You, you had a place, you had it all lined out when you, when you graduated high school. You had your life all planned out, didn't you? Hey, you had this is where I'm going to go to school. This is when I'm going to get married. This is when I'm going to have kids. This is when I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this job. I'm going to make this amount of money. And what did God do? God changed your plans. You see, everybody led by God is going to be directed despite the closeness to the destiny. Uh, that's when uh, that, uh, uh, we look uh, at a land of ease and fullness and say, God, that's what I want. But God says, no, I want you to walk a path of difficulty and hardship. I was at a wedding yesterday, 
and uh, the, uh, the, the, there's a guy there, maybe some kind of best man or something, and he quoted a Bible verse that I've heard a lot of people quote, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. And everybody, oh, everybody loves that for the life verse. <laughs> I know the plans that I have for you. Know them, prosper you. But do you realize that was written when the children of Israel were taken captive in bondage and in slavery, plucked out of their homeland and put in Babylon? Some plans, thank you God, but no. But that's exactly what God had planned for their lives. They didn't want to go to bondage. Nobody wants to go in bondage. Nobody wants to be plucked from a place of familiarity and placed in a, in a foreign land. But yet that was the expected end that God had. You see, sometimes God takes us in different direction despite the closeness that we are to their destiny. They'll end up there someday. And they knew it. It was promise of God. A covenant of Abraham. We as children of Abraham ought to be in that promised land. They'll be there someday. But God says, not right now. You'll be there someday, but not right now. God led them not to the land of the Philistines. Now I want to tell you why. First of all, uh, God leads them away, leads us away from war despite the closest to their destiny, but also due to the caliber of the enemy. Why did he say he led them away? Look at verse 17. God led them not through the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see the war and their turn to Egypt. God had the ability to look in his foreknowledge further down the road than they did. All they saw was Canaan land. All they saw was milk and honey. But what God saw were the Philistines. What God saw was his own people. He saw that they were not ready to face the enemy. they just come out of slavery. They were basically wearing rags. They were a beat down in a beat down and in a weakened condition. They were no match for a battle-hardened Philistine army. They weren't ready for the battle. They weren't strengthened enough and matured enough to be able to go out on the battlefield. They've been beat down slaves for hundreds of years. I'm reminded of Psalm 103, verse 13 and, and 14 says, Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are but dust. You see, God sees down the road to the path you thought was best for you and saw they're not able to make that journey yet. Their frame is not able to withstand the enemy that lies ahead right down the path. You, you, you see, God knows our maturity and, and God knows the strength of the enemy ahead. And because he is faithful, what he said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation you, no, uh, no temptation or no test uh, shall be taken you, except that uh, no temptation has taken you, but it's common to man. But God is faithful who will not let you be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation make a way of escape. God's not going to tempt you, test you beyond what you're able because He knows, like He said for them, they'll repent. And that's not repent in a, bad, a good sense. That's repent in a bad sense. They'll go back to Egypt. They won't withstand it. They'll wither under the, under the heavy light, uh, heavy sunshine of trouble. You may say, wait a minute. You wait a minute, Brother Ronnie. Don't tell me that God directs us away from the war, 
I tell you what, I've fought some wars along the way, Brother Ronnie. I've had some difficulties in this path I'm taking. I've fought some battles. I've waged some wars. Yeah, but you don't know how many you've missed that you'd have never made it through. You don't know how many of those battles that you would have went back on God that God steered you clear of. Yes, you may have, but listen, you have no idea of the, what kind of destructive enemy God has led you away from time and time again in time past. What is it that the old song says? My Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all I have to do is follow. I tell you what, that's the dangerous part about a Christian going outside the leadership of God, going in their own direction because you're going to run into enemies that you don't have no business dealing with. If we'd follow God, if we'd consecrate our lives to walk before His side and follow in His path and walk in His way, we'll find that we'll miss some of the enemies that God will lead us away from that we're not prepared for. You see, first of all, we can depend on the fact that God will lead us away from the war. But second of all, we can depend on the fact that God will lead us about in the wilderness. He will lead us about in the wilderness. Notice verse 18. It said, but God, He interrupted their path. They might have been headed for the promised land. They might just a few hundred miles away. But God interrupted and led the people about through the way of the wilderness. God will lead us about in the wilderness. Thank God for His leading. Amen. When I, when I don't know the way, I don't know what lies down the road ahead. I don't know what lies in the next 20 and 30 years at Gethsemane Baptist Church. I don't know what lies in the path ahead, but I serve a God that does. And if I just keep my eyes on Him, He'll lead me. They were led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You know, I don't know if you've noticed or not, we're not led by a pillar of uh, a cloud by day. We're not led by a pillar of fire by night. You're not going to find a cloud leading you to your job every day. You're not going to find a, a pillar of fire leading you from your workplace back to the house every night. But I tell you what, we do have the Spirit of God. What does it say in Romans 8, 4? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What does the Spirit of God lead us with? He leads us with the Word of God. We've got the Spirit of God combined with the Word of God. What did Psalm 119 verse uh, 105 say? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One author wrote, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet to reveal the pitfalls and the obstacles of the way and a light unto my path to make clear the bypass to be avoided. The full provision of God has been made for us in the Word of God. Well, you can be led by God if we'll take his book and open it. If we'll follow God and open his Bible and, and yield ourselves to his precepts. Notice the reasons that God led them into a wilderness. I mean, hey, on one hand, land of milk and honey. <laughs> Amen. Old Mace Jackson said the grapes were so big uh, that Joshua uh, pulled one out and pulled the innards out, put it on his head as a, as a, uh, as a swimmer's cap to swim back across the Jordan River. I mean, listen, God is leading them away from the land of promise. Why? Why? Why did God, why did God avoid? Not only because of the enemy, but because a, of a wilderness of dependence. A wilderness of dependence. These millions of Jews led by God into a desert would surely learn to depend upon God to meet their every need. I mean, I've heard preachers preach on what it would take to feed these people. 
and we're talking about train load after train load of cars, boxcars coming in every day with food just to feed these millions and millions of Jews of the water that was to come to them. Billions and billions of gallons of water just to feed their, uh, just to meet their thirst needs in that wilderness. These people are going to have to depend upon an almighty God uh, to look to God and to be, and he, res- he res- that when they, when they were hungry, uh, they learned to look to God and he responded with manna and quail. When they were thirsty, they looked to God and God made water come out of a rock. God leads us into deserts to help us realize that there is a reason why Philippians 4.19 is in the Bible. But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in, uh, riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I thought about my pastor so many times. He said uh, before, he said a lot of times uh, before God helps you to preach something, He'll help you to live it first. Before I stand up here and preach that God is faithful to meet your financial needs, He's going to have to prove that in my own life. That's what He's doing in their life. He's proving that He is dependable, that He will meet their needs when they go into this promised land and face greater enemies than what they're facing out in the wilderness. You see, it was a wilderness of dependence, but also it was a wilderness of dominance. A wilderness of dominance. It is clear that God led them into the wilderness so that he might speak with them. You ever, you ever took someone aside? You ever taken someone aside and say, I want to I wanna talk to you apart from everybody else? Uh, you, you take them aside. You get them in a place where they're alone so you can talk one-on-one with, her, with, with them. God is basically doing that with his people. He is basically taking them apart down to Mount Sinai so he may speak to them, so he may covenant with them so he may dominate every aspect of their lives. He's going to give them a covenant. covenant. He's going to say, I will be your God. You will be my people. You see, this is a wilderness of dominance. God is saying, I'll be in control of my life. You do what I say. You go in my path. Didn't they stumble along the way? Didn't they, didn't they murmur against God? And what did God have to do? He sent fiery serpents in the camp. Uh, didn't they, uh, didn't they, uh, uh, they, they murmured against God about the quail and God gave them so much quail that's coming out their eyeballs and out their nose? You see, God had to teach them that you'll obey me, that you'll trust me, that I am your God and you are my people. You, did you realize that God dominated these people? Matter of fact, uh, the tabernacle was placed in the very center of the camp of the children of Israel. Every time they took up camp in a certain location in their wanderings, all of the children of Israel, all of the different tribes would encircle the tabernacle in the middle. You see, that's what God does in the deserts of our lives. He said, I want you first. If they had went, listen, if they had went from Egypt's land to Canaan land and never had a desert experience, there's no telling how quick God would have disappeared off of their road map. God would have been nowhere to be found. They were so hungry uh, for, uh, they'd lived such long lives as slaves to Egypt, they'd have lived it up in the promised land and never gave a second thought about God. Never learned to depend on Him. Never let God dominate them. As a matter of fact, you realize that they could have taken this path, and we'll get to it in a moment. They could have taken this path through the Philistines in the Canaan land in short order, 
but they'd have never seen the Red Sea part. They'd have never felt themselves to be so small and God be so big in their stead. A lot of times that's what God does in our desert times. In the desert wanderings that He leads us through, He shows us how small we are and how big He is. You see, a wilderness of dominance and dependence. Also, a wilderness of demonstration. He led them away from the shortcut of Canaan right to the banks of the Red Sea. Like I just said, right to the banks of the Red Sea. The place where God wrought mighty miracles and demonstrated His power. He did miracle after miracle. He did this time and time again in the wilderness travels. The demonstrations of His power cause us to sing, My God is so great, like that little children's song. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. You see, it's for God's demonstrations that God takes us through the wilderness, takes us through times of want and times of need and times of heartbreak. Why? Because He's showing us what a great God He is and how He shows up in the scenes in our lives. You see, God will lead us away from the war. God will lead us about in the wilderness. But last of all, God will lead us arranged for the way. That's a particular strange wording. But look at the latter part of verse 18. Led them the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Now look at what he said. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Harnessed. Now, I don't know. I, when, as soon as I read that word harness, I thought about a mule with harnesses on it and, and, and God had them harnessed and he was, cow, cow, you Israel children, you get out of Egypt's land. But that's not what that word means. Harnessed. The word harnessed here is, is, it's a very unusual word and it has different connotation, but the word gives the insight into the way God prepared this people for the path they would take. You see, first of all, there was a word that means to be arranged in company. Arranged in company. This Hebrew word translated harnessed here, it's a military term. It's a military term that indicates an arrangement of a company of soldiers. A formation of a, rev, a, a, a regiment. Many authors believe it refers to the arrangement of the people as they cross the Red Sea. You see, there was some organization to what God was doing. He organized His people. Do you realize that? That God arranged them for this uh, traversing of this land, for this path ahead. You ever been to a parade, a military parade, and saw all the soldiers and how they're in their slick uniforms and they march in straight lines and they march in step? They're not running around in chaos. They're not meandering around through the crowd with their gun over their shoulder and just kind of making their way around here and there. No, they're in an orderly fashion. You see, that's what's being communicated here. That God has grouped them. That God has, uh, they're not running everywhere in panic. Do you know that God has provided an arrangement of His people today? So that they're not running in every, in every direction, confused and terrified. God has made the arrangement. It is called the New Testament local church. We are to arrange ourselves together. We are to be a mighty army of God. You and I are to march in step and be, and be the intimidating mighty army of God. Every soldier has a place and to be led by the word of God. God has arranged us. 
He's arranged us for the path ahead. He's got them in groups. He's got them prepared. You know what? God has arranged us for the path ahead in your life and in my life. Never ceases to amaze me how God places people in the local church. Now listen, I don't go out and scout folks. I don't go out and pick in place. I wish I could. Hey, there's some things I'd like to pick in place here and there and do some things, but I can't. I don't. Why? Because God will arrange His church. God will arrange His people. The people that are here right now, it has been arranged by God, and whatever trial you're going through, God may have a message. God may have a kind word from a brother or sister. God may have a song that'll speak to your problem. God may have whatever the case may be. God can address it in an orderly fashion among His people. You see, they were arranged for the path. They were arranged in company, but also they were arranged for conflict. This word also harness, or this Hebrew word uh, translated harness here, is a word, like I said, it means military, but it also means to be equipped. To be equipped for battle. It means to be arranged, arranged for the engagement. Equipped with the breastplate and the sword and the, and the helmet and everything that is necessary to fight a battle. Now I know God led them which way? Which way, folks, did God lead them? Away from the battle. He led them away from the battle. But they weren't lacking in anything they needed to fight the battle. They were arranged for the conflict. They had everything they needed. Listen, when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and become a child of God uh, and were brought out of the bondage of sin and of death, God gave you His Spirit. I've often described this as software. You don't need Spirit 1.2. You ever talk about that software? You buy a piece of software and then next month they come out with something better. And you got to buy version 2.5 and 3.6. Listen, you don't have to get Spirit 2.5. You don't have to get Spirit 5.6. Why? Because when you, get, when, when you become saved by the grace of God, He imparts to you His Spirit. You've got everything you need for any battle that you'll come across in your life experience. It's not because they were ill-prepared. They had everything they needed to fight the battle. Main thing they had was God. I don't know what kind of swords they had. I don't know what kind of uh, accoutrements, uh, shields or breastplates or helmets they had. But I know they had everything they needed if they had God with them. But it wasn't the part of the sword being ill-prepared. It was the part of the soldier being ill-prepared. You see, that we have everything we need for the battle. Colossians 2.10 says, Ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. In Christ, you're complete. You don't need any other installments. You don't need any other additions in your Christian life. What you need to do is yield yourself more to the Spirit of God. That's the problem, though. It's not with the Spirit. The problem is not with the Spirit of God that resides in the child of God. The problem is the child of God yielding to that Spirit that resides in the, in the child of God. You see, but you may, you may need developing in the wilderness before you, can, uh, before you can confront the enemy in the promised land. That's why God led them in the wilderness. It's not that they, weren't, they didn't have everything they needed. It's because the soldier wasn't ready. That may be the case in our lives. Listen, God gave us, what did, what did Paul say? He gave us the, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes in preparation of the gospel, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. But why does God take me away from some, uh, some battles when I have such excellent armor? 
is because I'm not ready. I'm not ready. That's why God changes your path sometimes. That's why God takes you in a way seemingly opposite of where you thought you'd end up. It's because God knows what lies ahead. God knows. If, you, if you're the child of God, God knows that he placed his spirit inside of you. You have everything you need to fight the battle. But at the same time, you may not be ready to fight the battle. He was worried about these children of Israel. He said, they'll forsake. They'll repent. They'll go back to Egypt's land if they see that kind of enemy. But if I'll take them through the wilderness and I'll take them step by step, if I'll take them to the bitter waters of Marah, and I'll show them how I can make the bitter waters sweep, if I'll take them to the place where they're crying out for me, and I'll rain down quail from heaven, if I'll take them to the place where they're dying of thirst, and I'll bring water out from the rock, if I'll take them to the place where they're bitten by serpents, and they'll look to Jesus, look to the brazen serpent to be healed, if I can get them there, I can get them in the promised land. I can walk them, if I can get them through that path in the wilderness, if I can give them my law, give them my statutes, give them the, uh, the covenant promises of God for His people, then I can one day, I can take them into that promised land. Oftentimes, God takes us on detours opposite of where we thought we'd go because He is developing us. He is training us. He is getting us ready for the battle. Has your path been interrupted by some unexpected turn? I'm sure every one of us, if I asked you, every one of us could stand up and say there was an event in my life where my life took a 180 degree turn. Where, where I just don't understand why in the world it seemed like the direction was headed this way and then all of a sudden I found myself going this way. And I begin to cry out, God, you know I want to be here. God, you know that I know that that's where you want me to be. But it seems like you're taking me in a different direction. It seems like you're taking me in hardness and in difficulty. Because he knows you can't face that enemy on that side. But you can handle this one right here. And all that while, God is developing you so that when you go this way, when you're heading in the right direction, you'll be prepared for the enemy. You'll be prepared for the battle. You see, God interrupts our path. He knows the way that I take. We preached on that, didn't we? About Job. Job said, God knoweth the way that I take. And when I come out, I'll come forth as gold. God knows the way that you take. He sees the path you take. Oftentimes, he leads you in an opposite direction. Why? Because he's preparing you, molding you, shaping you. I like what uh, the Proverbs says, the, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you'll purpose in your heart, like we said in Sunday school, to walk before God, to walk in His path, to observe His ways, to be consecrated in your life, to follow after God, God will lead your steps. And you may not understand those steps. You may not understand that path. I don't understand all the path, all the steps that brought me to Gethsemane Baptist Church. But I know that He knows the way through the wilderness. And all I have to do is follow. Strength for the day is mine all the way. And all that I need for tomorrow, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness. And all I have to do is follow. All I quit, Carrie. Carrie, listen. Best piece of advice I ever got was from my best friend, my wife. She said, don't anticipate, you know, all them years 
I'm in them jails and missions and I have that unrest in my heart about where God wanted me to be, what God wanted me to do. Had that uneasiness. I was always looking ahead, looking maybe this and maybe that and maybe this other thing. Maybe God's calling me to mission field. Maybe it's in evangelism. Maybe it's over here. Maybe I'll just sit in my church and work the rest of my life. Maybe that's what God has planned. My wife, she gave me the best piece of advice I could ever have. Don't anticipate, just participate. Just participate. Get up every day. Dedicate yourself to God. Get in God's Word. Get your marching orders and follow Him through the wilderness because He'll lead you to the promised land. He'll lead you to the place that you know God wants you to be. He may take a different path than you expect, but God knows the way through the wilderness. All you have to do is follow. Let's have someone come with a song of invitation. Miss Lucille, Brother Tony, everybody please stand. Everybody stand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer real briefly. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we don't understand the paths you lead us to and down. Many people, maybe even today, have wondered and doubted, what is God doing? Where is He taking me to? I know where He wants me to be. I know the end result. But the path seems so obscure. The path seems so strange. It seems as though He's taking me in the opposite direction. Oh God, I pray that we would draw on these facts. I pray that there's some soul here today that would draw on the fact that God is leading us away from the war that we can't handle. That God's leading us about in the wilderness to prove Himself before our eyes. And God, that God, You will lead us arrayed for the way. Preparing us to use what You've given us in our own lives. God, we pray for these folks that have heard your word today. We pray that they would be receptive, have tender hearts to what God has to say. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Continue praying. I wonder, has your life taken a strange path you never expected? Have you wondered for years, why, God, did this happen? Why did this unexpected turn of events happen in my life? I'll tell you why. God is routing your path away from an enemy. God is proving you. That's what he said in Deuteronomy. I didn't read the text, but it said God is proving his people. He may be proving you, readying you for the battle, readying you from a war that lies ahead, making you ready to place you in the promised land. Maybe you'd like to come down today and say, God, I'm going to believe in those facts about the battle. Believe in those facts about the way. Believe in those facts about the wilderness. God, I haven't understood for a long time, but God, you gave me insight through your word that the path is not always uh, easy to follow. It's not always illuminated. God, you didn't give me a road map. Well, God, I, I, I praise you that I can follow you day in and day out and you'll lead me to my destination. Maybe there's one lost here today. You're still in Egypt's land. You've never come to a saving knowledge of Christ. You're in bondage to the God of this world. Flee the wrath to come. Come to Jesus Repent of your sins. Turn your life over to Jesus Christ. Christ died on that cross and paid your sin debt. He judicially went into the courtroom of God and, and, dis, and God dismissed all of your evidence because He paid your fine. Repent. Come today. Put your trust in Jesus. But I wonder if there's saints in here today that often wondered why God leads where He does. There's a reason to it. You come. As we begin to sing, Brother Tony, what...
326, softly and tenderly, Jesus is coming. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand Podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.